All right, y'all. So we're in the middle of our miracle series. I want to just, man, I am really excited about what God is doing in our midst. Um, I don't know about you, but we've started seeing really incredible things happen. Um, Myself, I don't know about you, but sometimes you feel like, yeah, you know, you're you're trusting God for other people. Will he do the same for you? (laughs) And, uh, um, and, and, and because we're, we're the ones that are always, you know, involved in praying for other people, sometimes it feels that, you know, when you need something for yourself, it's, I don't know how it works that you just don't have the faith to trust God for the things for yourself, but you always have faith for other people. Um, and we were sitting here last Sunday and Esther was preaching and she was saying, you know, what are you trusting God for a healing miracle? And I was sitting there thinking to myself, do I stand up? Do I acknowledge that I have a need right now? And then what if it doesn't happen for me? Then what do I tell the people, right? You know, so I hope you all know that I'm just a normal human being, you know, that I do not have a hidden halo somewhere here that I hide on Sundays, right? Uh, I'm still searching for mine. Probably I won't get it ever. Um, One day when I get to heaven, right? So I have normal doubts. I have normal fears like each and every one of you would have when it comes to trusting God for things. Um, And I guess (laughs) it's, I I guess you would expect me when I see so many things happen for other people that I shouldn't have that anymore. And I'm, I'm desperately dearly, I'm dearly sorry if, if, if if I still do, because I still do, I still do have a lot of doubts and I still do fear that sometimes things won't work. But what, what I have seen is that it only works when you do try and step out. That's something I'm really confident about. And so um, whether it will work every time, I cannot guarantee, but I do guarantee that nothing comes from nothing. And so if you want to start seeing some of these things happen, you've got to actually try. And so I was sitting there and, I, and, I, and I've been struggling with my back, y'all. Like just my lower back was out some, for a long time. And like, I feel like an 80 year old man, right? Because I, I can't even like pick up a shoe or a sock or something without it really sounding like, you know, labor. Because <laughs> I've been in labor, not myself, in the ward, you know, when it happens. Um, so I know what it sounds like. Um, I've seen the movies, you know. Um, and, and, I'm, and I'm sitting there, and I'm thinking to myself, I really need healing. And I was like, what the heck, you know? Nothing comes from nothing. I've got to trust that God also wants to heal me. And I remember turning around and it was Miss Susie, Miss Mike and Trisha and we stand, stood there. And so I'm like, all right, what are y'all trusting God for? And um, they were supposed to tell me, you know, what they're trusting God for so that we can all stand in faith for that. But they were like dead quiet. And then all of a sudden, Trisha said, I'm trusting God because I said, I said something about my back. I said, I'm trusting God for your back. And, and I was like, okay, you didn't say nothing about you, but thank you. I really trust God for my back too. And then she said something small about, I, I, I couldn't even really remember because I was preoccupied in my brain. See how human I am? Like, you know, <laughs> there I'm supposed to be praying for other people. And I'm just thinking, is God going to heal me or is he not going to heal me? <laughs> and I'm figuring this thing out the whole time. And anyway, so um, I couldn't even really pray or nothing. Esther was done praying and, and, and we, had, we sat down and I'm like, oh, I've got to go, you know, get ready to, to, you know, get my Bible out and everything. And after this message, I stood up and my pain was gone. My back pain was gone. And this whole week, it's been gone. It's been good. 
And uh, um, so yesterday we went to Surge with, for a birthday party, and I thought to myself, you know, it's really going to be stupid for me to just be like, you know, jumping up and down on trampolines and things. Maybe I should just sit this one out so that I can get the back to heal up. There was a reason why I got hurt in the first place, right? So I figured I wouldn't jump, um, and, uh, and, and I, would, I would wait till I can strengthen up my core a little bit. Was that, I don't know if that was even right or not. You know, maybe I should have just jumped and, and, and hoped for the best. But I just figured, you know what, maybe some human wisdom isn't bad at all, all times. So that's what I did. Um, and I, I, I'm sharing this with y'all so that you will know that this word that we preach doesn't react different to me because I'm the guy preaching it. It just doesn't. My process that I go through when I hear this word isn't different from the one that you go through when you hear it, right? We all have to apply the same principles and the same things for this word to work. And so I hope that encourages you that if we say these things, like we, we prayed for, for Casey right there. Guess what? Casey a week ago could not walk. Literally, he had some of the things in his, remember we prayed over that? He had, he had stuff in his knee, crystals or something. Like, I don't know. I don't even believe in crystals, but like they were there, right? apparently the body can produce crystals if it's not happy with you and um his knee was unhappy man and it 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 it, it canceled him out he couldn't walk and he walked into church today and and esther went to the house prayed hold up cowboy (laughs) and so it's 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 actually pretty normal you know for us to doubt for us to figure it out but What's also normal is to try and trust, is to step out and believe um, and hope that something new is going to happen in your life. And so as we read and, and go through today's message, I just want you to know that this is for you. And it doesn't matter with what you walked in here. Uh, that song where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom, gives you the right to lay down what you ever, whatever you came with. Whatever mindsets or ideas or doubts or fears or even guilt or shame that you came with, God's grace allows you to lay that down and give his, his spirit a chance to speak to your heart today and, 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 and activate and, and make some faith come alive in your heart for wherever you are at and whatever you are trusting him for. So our series miracles have really been to establish the fact that God is still doing miracles even today. Um, We've learned that his miracles are a testimony to his truth. God wants to establish his truth in our lives. And there is just some time people that needs to see before they will believe. And so it requires some of us to believe until we see to help others believe because they've seen but God said to Thomas, look, you believe, Jesus said to him, because you touched the, the, the hands and the hole in my body. You believe because you saw. Blessed are those who believe even if they had not seen. And so I'm inviting you on this journey of faith with us to believe God for miraculous things. Even if you have not seen that before. Even if you've maybe tried before and it hadn't worked yet. I'm, I'm, I'm inviting you to come along the journey And keep trusting God. We know that God demonstrates his love to the world, but also his grace to the world. Think about this. You think you come in here with sin, God's not going to work on you. God's not going to meet with you. 
Jesus came to a world that had no holiness. Zero. Jesus came to a world that was completely sinful and his enemy. No one was for him, the Bible says. None was righteous. And yet he came. So don't come tell me that you come in here with some stuff and that makes for some reason God unable to meet with you here. It's just not how he operates. He actually comes to those situations. Why? Because that's where he's needed most. And he avails himself to us in our need because he knows there is no, literally no other way out. And then we've also learned that, you know, God's miraculous things are always connected to his mission. That there is more behind the miracle. It's not just to, you know, heal you, but it's through that healing to heal your heart. That you might believe in him. But also that through your, 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 your sharing of what God is doing with you will help others to believe. He's on a mission to establish his kingdom on this earth through which we might be saved and humanity might be saved. That's his ultimate mission. And if you're involved in that mission, you can expect him to come behind you with miracles to help that mission come along. Not for your sake, not for your glory, not for this church's glory, not for anything of that kind, but purely to, uh, to, um, to establish his rule and to uh, confirm his truth. There's something even bigger going on in the book of John that we're currently moving through the seven miracles that was recorded in the book of John. And that is that it actually gives us revelation of who Jesus is. It reveals things about Christ to us. And remember I shared about God revealing himself to Moses as I am, not giving him a treatise or, you know, a teaching on the Trinity to explain who he was, but merely inviting him on a journey with him to say, as you walk with me, you discover who I am. It's as you obey me that you learn me. You experience me as you walk with me. I am. And no matter what we face together in that moment, you will realize that I'm your ever-present help in time of need. Whatever the need is that you have in that moment on this journey with me, you will discover I am that provision to you. I am that solution to you. I am. And in the Hebrew mindset, when Moses heard that, he realized, okay, I'm not going to learn anything else until I take a step with him. He knew God said, it's as you journey with me that you learn me. And the same is today. He is, I am to you. Um, <laughs> and he even makes the statement, Jesus comes and, 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 and he echoes that statement. He says, when they challenged him, like, do you say you're bigger than our father, Abraham, who they obviously see as the father of their faith, their people. And he said to them, look, before Abraham even was, I am. And in that minute, he took the identity of God and he owned that. And he told them, y'all, I am God with you here. That's why they wanted to kill him. Because he made himself equal to God. So that's when they ripped their clothes and they, and they, and they shouted blasphemy and they wanted to, wanted to kill him. Um, because Jesus is, I am. He is the I am, and he is still today inviting you on this journey with him. 
that you will discover who he is. Through these seven miracles that, that Jesus have done, and we've, we've discussed a couple, we haven't gone through all of them yet, um, the, the, the turning the water into, into wine, we learn that something about faith activates Jesus. Yes, there was the need, but Jesus was ignoring the need until his mother said to the servants, do what he tells you. And then she walked away. She didn't come back and see whether he did it, you know, like, a, I'm, I'm not going to go there. I almost stepped into a massive landmine. <laughs> the Lord is good to me today. All right. So she had faith that he was going to do something about the situation. And the people went and they stood and they looked at Jesus with the expectation that he was going to instruct them. And Jesus was like, this isn't my time yet. And his mother just turned around to them and said, do what he tells you. And then she left. That's faith. That's trust. He's going to take care of the situation. And then he had people that obeyed his instruction. And we see that he is activated by faith that is presented by action. We see that with the woman at the well, these are previous sermons that we've gone through, how Jesus is the only individual, he's the only person, the only relationship that truly brings satisfaction to the longing in our souls. He's the living water that completely satisfies and leaves us with no thirst again. And let me differentiate here. The woman knew everything about religion. She knew everything about how to do things and, you know, what the forefathers did. And, you know, my grandma was a Christian and, you know, you know, I once went to a church a couple of years ago or, you know, I tried that. I tried the system. It didn't work for me. She knew all of that. And yet Jesus revealed to her something greater than religion, something more than just the system. He revealed to her himself. I am he, the Messiah that is to come. And it's only through connecting with me in a true, heartfelt, submissive, submissive relationship that you will be satisfied in that great need that is in the core of your being that you're making other things to try and satisfy, whether it's wealth or, or just fun or just trying to live it up or just, you know, living in anger or whatever you choose to put into that hole to soothe that longing, that emptiness he says, I am the one that will come and completely satisfy and make you never thirst again. Then he heals the official son by just sending his word. He reveals that he is the word. He is the word. These do not contain, you know, the words of God. They are the word become reality for us. Reading these words are like him speaking to us in person. He is the living water. And when the word was sent to heal, he did not even show up in person. But when he sent the word, the word healed. We have that word. We have that word. He sent us this word. This word can accomplish what he had sent out for it to accomplish. And then he healed on the Sabbath. <laughs> and that was a statement. He healed on the Sabbath. And through that he said I am Lord. 
I am not subservient to the system. The system serves me. I am Lord of the Sabbath. So today we're going to look at John 6. And I want you to get your Bible out and open it up at John 6. And now I'm going to ask the, the guys in the back there to perform a miracle. Can you go? Can you go? I, I didn't put the confession slide up, but I really like for us to do it. Can you find it uh, from last week's uh, slides? You can just pull those two slides in there. I forgot to put that in there, but that's an important part of what we're starting to do here. So while they're getting those slides out, I want to encourage you again to bring your Bible. All right. Not that the digital Bible is wrong, but I find that it's, it's just awesome when I'm actually writing in the physical book that I'm reading, the notes, the things that God shared with me while I'm sitting here listening. Last week, I just wrote down a ton of notes while Esther was talking. And, um, you know, her and I work on the messages together. So it's not like I didn't know what she was going to preach on. But while she was saying things, it's just like, man, this clicked. And I wrote something down on my notes. And it's just amazing how when you come back to it later and you read it again, you have that memory of what was shared with you. Because paper, don't forget, right? <laughs> paper remembers, but you will literally retain 5% of today's message. Tomorrow morning when you wake up, you will have remembered only 5% of everything that I'd said here. You know, kind of begs the question, why do they talk for an hour then, right? <laughs> I don't know. It's kind of what we do. All right, so... Hopefully, each of you remembers a different 5%. Huh? Otherwise, the 5% is very close. Otherwise, the 5%, like, I mean, you, you, you're like, wow, that church doesn't like to work hard at all. <laughs> now, open your Bible at John 6. I'm reading from verse 1. And after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, uh, the feast of the Jews was at hand and lifting up his eyes then and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him. Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? But he said this to test him. For he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to even get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, which is Simon's Peter's brother, said to him, there's a boy here who has five barley loaves and, and two fish. Which if you read the historical context, this was a, a poor man's meal. Barley was typically the kind of uh, flour that poor people used to prepare meals for themselves. So this was a poor family's meal. Plus, it could have been probably more than what a boy could consume, five breads and two fish. And so it's highly likely that this was his family's whole meal for that time that they were there. But it says here, but what are they to so many looking at what they needed? Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down about 5,000 in number. So if you understand Hebrew culture, 
when numbers and things were used, etc., most often women and children were not counted. So it's significant here that it says the men were 5,000. So if you can imagine a city of about 12,000 people, you can imagine of what was kind of going on over there. Women and children weren't even, weren't even counted yet. So he was kind of preaching to Crowley, right? All right. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. Father, I pray that you will open up to us this word and that we might see in it things that will strengthen us, things that will encourage our faith to follow you and to trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to talk today about a battle that each of us face in our lives. It's a battle of faith. And that battle of faith usually plays out in two areas. It plays out in the external as well as internal. It's usually something that's around us that's going on that we're facing. That's the external battle. But the battle that you need to win first before you can win your external battle is the battle inside. It's the battle of whether you're going to allow the circumstances to dictate to you what you need to do or whether you're going to look to God and ask him what you need to do. This is really normal. This is really normal. We see something extremely normal going on in this, power, in this, in this uh, 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 instance. Following Jesus leads to challenges. You're going to experience that in your life. And they're not always going to be faith challenges. There's going to be spiritual problems because you know there is a devil. And he does not want you serving God. He wants you mad. He wants you bitter. He wants you offended. And he wants you separate from God and his people. There's going to be always a spiritual battle. But there's always going to be emotional problems as well. Why? Because we deal with people. People hurt people. It's just how it is. We're imperfect beings living in an imperfect world. And so that just makes imperfection rampant. And imperfection hurts. How many of you can say Amen. People have hurt me, but how many of you can admit that, man, I've hurt people. I'll be the first. And so there's going to be challenges that are emotional, but that's not even the internal battle yet. Then there's practical things, just pure like not the devil issues, okay? <laughs> it's like practical things, stuff that maybe was caused by your bad decisions, stuff that was maybe not even caused by your bad decisions, but somebody else's bad decisions. Sometimes it's not even for no reason. It's just laundry doesn't end. Like my wife always says, the Holy Spirit and laundry will always be with you. I like that. And so often it's not even the spiritual and the emotional battle that trips us up. But it's just the practical stuff. Like I thought I would you know, be promoted by now, but I'm not. I thought I would have a, you know, a different outcome already, but it's not. Like, I'm still struggling to pay bills. I'm still, it's just the practical things, the normal things of life. You know, and Jesus presents a normal situation here. There are people 
that need food. You know, in, 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 in another gospel, Matthew, the one that Matthew wrote, uh, he, he says that Jesus said to these disciples, you give them something to eat. So he poses the problem, hey, how are we going to feed these people? And then his disciples, it's like, man, two, uh, verse 7, 200 silver pieces wouldn't be even enough for each person to get a little. And so the, the, the whole overwhelming practical circumstance that is there is just overwhelming. just makes you feel like, man, I don't know how to deal with this. And the natural response is to just kind of want to avoid dealing with it altogether. Philip says, no, 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 no. Send these people away. <laughs> Let them go look after themselves. It's not my problem. You know, we didn't invite them here. This isn't my, our doing. We actually broke away from the crowds to come and kind of just have some rest. Bible says Jesus saw them. He had compassion on them. The disciples did not <laughs> have compassion. They had frustration. Now, Jesus, you expect us to do something about this. It's not fair. It's like we didn't ask for this. Yes, following Jesus is often going to lead to instances that you did not ask for things, but you're in it now. You're in it now. Sometimes practical life situations, whether it's, whether it's of our own doing or just because of what we've been dealt with, requires us to have a different response than what these disciples did. So Andrew comes and he's got a little bit of a better response. He's got, well, Jesus, I found this little boy. He has five bread loaves and, and two fish. And then he looks at what needs to be done. He goes like, but what's that to so many? Right? This boy does actually do something quite amazing. I want to talk about that because in it, there are some incredible principle for us to see how and what do we do in instances where life just becomes overwhelming, whether it's spiritually, relationally, or practically. You see what Jesus is wanting to see was would they win this internal battle that he just presented them with? And the amazing thing here is what, 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 what we realize is that Jesus is, is setting something up because of a, a normal thing to teach them something, to show them something that's so powerful that will bid them well when he one day leaves them. Jesus wants to see if they will present this issue back to him instead of trying to solve it in the natural, trying to solve it themselves. So at first they don't. It's like, this is impossible. Let's just get rid of this problem. I don't want to be, I don't want to be involved. I don't want to be responsible for this. Have you looked at our society at times and think to yourself, oh, you know what? It's best just to avoid that mess. I don't even want to try and get involved in that, right? And that's historically been a lot of the church's response. We see stuff happens outside that are difficult to deal with. And instead of trying to present it back to Jesus, we choose to rather, 
Okay, we'll let that song go out. Because <laughs> everybody was listening to the song. It's okay. No, 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 no worries. Tension back. Instead of trying to engage the problem, we stick our hand, heads in the, in the sand and try to avoid the problem. Sometimes we go and we try to justify why it's not going to work. Like Andrew does. Like, I mean, you know, we could, you know, we could try and, you know, um, you know get involved in, in, in feeding people to try to see if we can help out. But psh, you know what? What's that little going to do in light of every big thing? You know, we could try, you know, go and, you know, serve our city, clean up some spaces. But, you know, how's that going to solve anything really materially? We look at what we have and we, <laughs> we immediately justify, you know, it's not even worth it because the need, the problem is just so great. Like you come to yourself and you think, ah, we, you, we've just been coming around this relational problem for so long. I don't even know if it's worth to try and, you know, what, what, what would it help anyway to just maybe go and talk to somebody about this thing? I mean, what's that going to help? But here's a little boy that has a different mindset. Jesus first don't allow his disciples to get rid of the problem. And I think that's something we as a church needs to learn. That the world's problems aren't going to go away by themselves. And God does not allow us to just go, that's not our problem. <laughs> he actually requires some response from us. But what response can we give? Let's learn something from this boy today. Verse 9 says, there's a little boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish. What's that against all that is required here? This was an actually, this was an amazing moment. This was an amazing moment. And, and, and I like to, to just point out again the fact that, you know, sometimes it's the people of lesser means that get this easier. So there's a, there's, there's a warning here for us who have become able we have become strong in ourselves and our abilities. There's a warning here for us to not miss what God can do if we will humble ourselves and not try to look and think like the disciples did. But act like this little boy. You see, the disciple sees the gift and he looks at the natural need and what needs to be accomplished is and he judges it as, as insufficient. He judges the gift against the need and basically just says, that's not, that's not good enough. That's never going to do nothing. But let's look at this boy. This boy comes with his gift, right? And he thinks to himself, yeah, I see everything that's going on here. But maybe if I bring this gift to Jesus, I've heard that he can do pretty amazing things. I've heard that, you know, we're here because we came to see somebody who has, it's been said of, remember, they haven't seen it themselves. Literally, they've, they've, they've been hearing of it. Just hearing of it. 
And what did Pastor Willem teach us two weeks ago? What is faith? Faith is hearing something. It's hearing a truth of God and allowing that truth to move you. Allowing that truth to come close to your heart. To start influencing your way of thinking and to inform your activities. This boy heard that Jesus could do amazing things. And he took his gift and he did not judge his gift against the need. He judged his gift against the receiver. He thought to himself, this gift might be small, but that guy is said to be able to do amazing things. So maybe he can do something better with this gift than what I can do. That is faith exemplified. That is faith exemplified. It's looking at yourself and going, mm, maybe this isn't enough. But if I give it to the one who is, maybe this can be different. Maybe this can do something. I'm astonished in the Bible how many and oftentimes, you know, people did stuff that they weren't even properly sure about. You know, there was a time when Jonathan and his armor bearer was fighting and they were kind of isolated from the rest of the army. And they saw a whole legion of people up against a mountain. And Jonathan says to his armor bearer, you know what? Let's attack them. Maybe God will give them into our hand. Maybe. But when you bring your something and you give it to the one who can do something amazing with it, this healing, this miracle here suggests that we can bring incredible things to pass. And then there's Jesus. There's the disciple, sees the gift, sees the need, insufficient. There's the giver, the boy. He takes his gift. He sees the need, but he thinks, let me give it to the right recipient. And then there's the recipient, Jesus. He says, bring it to me. Why does Jesus receive that gift? Because Jesus knows that a little may not be enough for the need, but it's powerful as a seed. Did you hear that? It may not be enough for the need, but it's powerful as a seed. What seeds have you been given that will affect incredible things around us? If you will stop judging according to the need, but judge it against the receiver. Jesus says, bring that to me. Jesus does not judge the gift against the need, he judges the gift against the giver. And what does he see? He sees faith. You see, the giver represents the faith that the gift is given in. The need represents the fear that we're up against. Jesus wanted his disciples to do what that boy did. Jesus wanted his disciples to go, how are we going to feed these people? Well, I don't know, Lord. Here's what we brought. 
What do you think you can do with this? Jesus wanted to see if his disciples will win that first internal battle by trying not to solve the issue in the natural, but to start representing it, presenting it back to him and say, what can you do with what I have? What can you do with what we've got? Jesus was looking for faith from his disciples. He wanted his disciples to offer their not enough to him as a seed that he could make a miracle happen out of. The Bible says he knew what he was going to do already. And you know what? If, if, if they brought maybe, I don't know, if they brought fruit to Jesus, Jesus would have multiplied the fruit. The, 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 the actual gift didn't matter really that much. What mattered was the faith that it was brought with. Whatever practical issue that you are facing, spiritual resistance, emotional battle that you are facing, you always have something that you can present back to God and say, if I bring this to you, can you do something with this? If instead of trying to fix the problem, to fix it myself or to try and avoid it altogether or to go into the flesh and to start fighting about it, what if we presented this to you and asked your way Ask your will in the situation. Then God can use whatever gift we bring him. And he can multiply that and make massive things happen on our behalf. So for me today, the big question about this whole um, uh, account is, will you offer your not enough to become a powerful seed in the hand of God? What is it that you have as a seed that you can bring? But that is a decision right in the moment when you, when you face that thing. When that thing hits you, you're going to have the, the, the response to try and avoid, to try and flesh handle it. Or to stand back and say, Jesus, here's what I have. Will you help with this? So often I've heard people say, I'm scared to do something that I don't know 100% I can deliver on. I'm scared to commit to something that I don't know 100% I can deliver on. You know, that sounds very, very similar to me to, while the need is so great, what does this little old something that I have to offer do? But today God is saying, I want you to bring your not enough knowledge of the Bible and to come offer your not enough to me. Your not enough ability to speak to people about God. I want you to come and bring that to me. You're not enough wisdom. You're not enough energy. You're not enough age. Oh, I'm too young. No, you're not. I'm too old. No, you're not. You're not enough youth. You're not enough... Love, you're not enough faith, you're not enough skill, leadership skill, you're not, a, whatever it is that you're thinking, I don't have enough of this. God is saying, bring that to me. Offer it as a seed. Say, I will come, I will try. I will say, yes, Lord, I will step into something. 
And I'm trusting God that this will become practical for you. What is it that he's saying commit to? What is it he's saying that says to you, come pick this up, try this out, do this for me. Start becoming involved in that. What is that not enough that he's calling you to offer to him? Will you entrust your not enough to him? In essence, what he's saying is what he's been saying to so many people. Come bring your not enough to I am and you will see how I use your not enough. Like Chuck said earlier about the staff, what's in your hand? I will use that. If Moses was carrying around something else, God would have used that. It's not a formula. It's faith. It's trust. So yeah, I can, what can you, what can you do that's not enough to fix a whole society? But if you bring it to Jesus, he can use it as a seed to multiply to the thousands. See, while we're paralyzed by fear, Jesus is looking for faith. So often we are overwhelmed by the situation, but all he wants is us to say, well, I got a couple of loaves of bread. Well, you know, I can, I can invite them to our life group. Well, I can go and pray with them. Well, I can, I can bring them a meal. I can, I, can, I can try and encourage them, visit them in the hospital. I can, what can you do? And will you offer and trust that? to the giver or to the recipient who is able to do amazing things with it. And then Jesus actually models to us what to do with the little that we have received. In verse 11, it says, Jesus then took the bread and having given thanks, he started giving it to those who were seated and the same with the fish and they ate all as much as they wanted. Gratitude and faith is such critical things. The way you show gratitude for what you have received is by starting to share it. Gratitude is a great act of faith. And gratitude and generosity actually goes hand in hand. Jesus took the not enough that he received. Y'all, Jesus did not receive enough physical bread to feed 5,000, 12,000 people, however many they were. He did not. He received not enough. You've received not enough. I mean, I, I feel I've received not enough, all right? But when I carefully look, I realize, whoops, there's a little ingratitude there. Because I have received a ton. I have received a lot. I grew up poor. Very poor. Like, I could never afford snacks or, you know, even to buy myself a small little candy or a nothing when we went to the store. My mom couldn't either. Um... 
And I always thought, man, you know, one day when I am of means, I will be able to buy myself things and give to other people. Because I would see my friends whose moms would pack them lunch, right? This is how rudimentary this was. They would come to the school, they would pluck out a packet of chips, and we would sit in a circle, they would open it, they would take two, and they would send that packet around. And by the time I got back to them, there was nothing left. And I would always think to myself, what the heck? You just gave away all those precious chips. And I could never understand why they could do that. It's like, you just had two. And I got two. And I felt so like thankful that they would share with me. And I always thought to myself, one day when I'm older and I, and I have my own money, I will buy stuff and I would, I would be generous. I would share. Guess what happened? I grew up and I couldn't share. I got money, a little, and I couldn't share. It was mine. Worked hard for this. And by the way, it's still not enough anyways. And I realized <laughs> that it has actually nothing to do with how much you have or how little you have. It has everything to do with your heart. Whether you're expecting that somebody is going to provide for you again. That boy went home thinking, hey, Mark, can I have some more chips? Sure, go grab it. There's plenty in the basket. That's what it's like at our house now. You know, Greg comes home. Dad, can I have some chips? You know where to find it. And when he comes around and says, hey, give me a chip, normally he gives it. Because he knows more is coming. He's thankful for what he has. He's willing to share. Don't think that you're not enough disables you to not give. And if you're thinking I'm, I'm leading to a money thing, I'm not. This has absolutely nothing to do with money. This has everything to do with what you have received in your person, received as an individual, your love, your heart, your personality, your skills, your compassion. Jesus just wants to take what you've, what you, the little that you've received, and he wants to see if you have faith. Will you entrust that back to him? So here's what happened to the disciples. Later, Jesus went to heaven and his disciples were entering the temple. Um, this is after he went to heaven, heaven, like. And a beggar was at the, at the gate of the temple and he was begging for money. And you know what? The disciples walked past and they said to the, they said to the guy, look, we don't have money, but what we've received, we will freely give to you. Get up and walk. This man happened to be paralyzed. And they offered the little faith that they had been received. The little, they offered that to God. And, they, and then it got multiplied into a healing of a man. And then that man could go and, go and work and get all the money that he needed. There was brought restoration to him. They caught the principle after a while. Because there were many things that later happened that I'll talk to maybe about. Like how they just couldn't get it, couldn't get it, couldn't get it. But after a while they got it. 
we all have received something that we can start giving back to Jesus to start multiplying, to bring big change around us. I say this, I've received something. Do what Jesus did. Thank God for it and start sharing it with people around you. Stop fearing the situation or the lack that might come from you giving stuff away. Your heavenly father knows and he's looking for your faith. What happened when the disciples were done feeding everybody else? How much did they receive back? Each of them a basketful. Each of them a basketful. The heavenly father knows your needs before you even ask. It's time for us to humbly start thanking him for what we have received and then start opening up our hands and saying, Lord, I got this. Stand with me today. Some of you already know what it is that God has been asking you to do. This whole time, you've been either trying to justify why you wouldn't have to, after this message, respond to try and go and give your little to it. Some of you might need to go and think through it a little bit more. But for those of you here who kind of know what it is God is saying, and you've just been holding back you're not enough because you're afraid, because the need. But today I want to say, bring it to Jesus. Offer it in service to him and his kingdom. And you'll start seeing amazing things happen through that. Let's all close our eyes as we pray. If this is you, if you feel God has really spoken to you today about picking up something and bringing that in not enough to him, why don't you put up your hand right now? Why don't you put up your hand as, a, as, a, as, a, as just a commitment. Lord, I'm going to go and give this. Lord, I'm going to go and I'm going I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go try. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to start offering my not enough in service to your kingdom. And I trust you. Heavenly Father, you see every hand raised, every heart that's coming to a place of saying, Lord, I will bring my not enough. We pray that you will multiply this. Thank you, Father, that you have blessed us with everything that we have received up till now. Lord, show us who have, who have not maybe heard properly yet. Show us the not enoughs that you want us to offer back to you. Lord, we commit today to trust you. To trust you and to just start giving the seed. Just start investing in that relationship. Investing in conversations. Just start giving my ideas. Serve on that committee. Take up that project. Have that conversation. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.